0: A young woman in Portland finds herself face-to-face with paranormal evil. And then we wrap up Season 9 with a personal story from my past. A mystery called The Haunted Chair. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Yeah, you guys heard that right. This is the end of Season 9. Sorry I haven't been announcing it all week. It kind of crept up on me, honestly. So, next week, I'm taking a week off. We will have a series of reruns. I've already chosen the episodes. It's a theme week. It's one of my favorite theme weeks. So we'll have that, and then we'll be coming back the week after that for the start of Season 10. So... I thank you guys so much for sticking along on this journey. Now, this episode is jam-packed full of stuff. I'm just pushing. Give me this story right here. Put that. You, you. Come here. Come here. Put you in there. Also, if you haven't noticed, I just got done working out. I'm sure you've noticed my physique, but I'm a little more amped up than normal, but it is a Friday episode. I literally just jumped off of my Tony Little Gazelle glider. I'm ready to record this episode. Normally, I take a shower before my episodes to relax, but there's no time to relax. Come here, story. Get in there. Here we go. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon, a pack of wild Asians. A pack of wild Asians. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You are going to be our pilot this hyper frantic episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine, too. You know what I'm going to say, and I mean it. Just go ahead and get the word out about the show. That helps tremendously. Word of mouth helps the show grow. So if you can't support us financially, support us with your mouth. With vocalizations. Or, you know, typing. Typing on computer. You guys are already irritated (laughs) by the workout, Jason. But, a pack of wild Asians. Let's hop into Jason Jalopy first off. Because we're leaving Hood River. We're driving to Portland, Oregon. Now, this is a story from Reddit, and I've talked to the Redditor who wrote this story. Her name is Break Your Neck For Me, Baby. But I gotta do this, and she seems fairly nice, she seems fairly sincere. But again, when we're covering the story, I do have to say, and it's no insult to her, but this story may be made up, right? This is a single person's account of a story. It could be a LARP, could be a uh, delusion. could be a lot of things. And that is from every Bigfoot story to her story. I'm just saying that off the bat. But I think it's an interesting story. I, again, I can't 100% say it's true, but let's take a look at this. A pack of wild Asians. Let's drive through the empty streets of Portland because I this, things are kind of springing back to life here. The lockdowns are starting to end. But we have the streets to ourselves. We're just kind of driving through deer eating grass that's growing out of the sidewalk. Mountain lion. On the top of a skyscraper looking at him. Hmm. The perfect hunting ground. If <laughs> only I can now get down. It's like having to walk down 50 flights of stairs. Goes out, all the deers are gone. Uh. we're driving to this is the thing that made this story pop out to me. Because I get a ton of stories and I see a ton of stories online that's very vague. I was at my grandma's house. Okay. I mean, not saying that your grandma's <laughs> house is vague. It's all blurry. You're like, grandma, I can't find you. But specifics always, I like. I always like specifics. And we have a specific address for this event. It's 1909 West Burnside Street. Now, there's a car wash there. It used to be a Kiss car wash. Now it's a Caddy car wash. What is also interesting about this story is, as I was reading, I've been to Portland a total of four times in my life. I live an hour away. I, I've been to Portland only four times outside of going to the airport. Out of those four times, and that's spread across eight years. Out of those four times, I went to this place. I went to this place in January. Coincidence? 100% 100 coincidence. I wasn't being drawn by the malevolent evil. But I found that weird when I was reading it. I go, I know this place. I walked by it in January. Been in Portland four times. If you don't know, Portland's a pretty big city. So... 1909. I was I was not going to the car wash. I was going to the Chipotle. But it actually, it's funny. I love Chipotle. It's my favorite restaurant in the world. If there was a Chipotle in town, I would quit keto in a heartbeat and just eat one burrito a day. I'd stick to my diet that way. So Chipotle, please come to our town. Eat fresh. But I have to go to Portland to get Chipotle. That's how much I love (laughs) Chipotle. We walked down this street, Burnside Street, and my spidey senses were tingling the whole time. Like I grew up in bad neighborhoods. I know bad neighborhoods. I was like, this is a bad neighborhood. It's one of those neighborhoods that's trying to fix itself up. But, you know, it's it's like the Doberman Pinscher. Is that even a meme dog anymore? Isn't it now? Don't you kids? Don't you kids talk about those pit bulls and, and stuff? When I was a kid, Doberman Pinscher was the most dangerous dog because they pinch you. You take a Doberman Pinscher and you can cover and make up all, all day long. It's still a Doberman Pinscher. So that's kind of what this neighborhood looks like. So, walking down the street, my spidey senses were tingling. I'm constantly looking around. But, so, that gave me an idea. I still, I finished walking the two miles to get the Chipotle, but we walked past this car wash. So, when Break Your Neck For Me Baby was talking about this, I go, this, this, this there might be something to this. There might be something to this. So, let's take it. That was all preamble, just to let you know that it's not the best neighborhood. Actually, historically, it wasn't the best neighborhood. They tried to develop a tram system for it. Back in, like, the 1920s, no one would write it. Businesses had a hard time. We're, like, back when the city was being founded, people did not want to work or live on this street. It was just a bunch of, like, low-life businesses, and that's where all the sailors hung out. Tons of prostitution, stuff like that. So, that's your background for Burnside Street. If you're a realtor in that area, sue, break your neck for me, baby. And sue, get a time machine, and sue the past. I, it's just not the greatest area. So that at the stage has been set. A pack of Wild Asians, let's take this Jason Jalabi. We're going to park it at this car wash. Now, this is the story that has been told. There's this young woman. She's eating a snack in her car. It's late at night. Now, normally, she parks here or parks anywhere, and she's on her phone. She's goofing off, and she's eating food, and she's throwing the wrappers in the backseat of her car, which, as disgusting as it is, we all do that, right? That's pretty typical, right? Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's owning a car thing. I don't have a car anymore, so I have nowhere to throw my stuff. But I used to do that, too. I used to just throw stuff in the backseat. And then once a month or two months, I'd clean my backseat out. So anyways, that's what her normal routine was. But something different happened this night. It was about 10 p.m. This story takes place in August of 2017. She gets it in her head that I'm going to throw the stuff away. And you're like, Jason, that's a good instinct. She's being clean. And I'm like, yeah, it's good, but out of character. And she doesn't really know why this thought process kicks in her head. But she's parked at this car wash. It's 10 p.m. at night. Again, it's not the greatest neighborhood. But she goes, I should throw this stuff away. Instead of just throwing it over my shoulder, I'm going to throw it away. Now, the place isn't super well lit. But there's a McDonald's right across the street from it. And then there's Chipotle on the other side of it. So it wasn't pitch black either. So she gets out of her car. and walks with her garbage, throws it in the garbage can, and she's still looking at her phone, and she finds herself kind of, she doesn't actually know what's going on at first, she says she's just looking at her phone, and then she hears the sound of gravel underfoot, And that's when she realized her car was farther away. She'd been walking backwards. After she threw the garbage away, she found herself walking backwards into the darkness of the car wash. And what had happened was she had started walking up a gravel hill, a slight incline of a gravel hill. So she's covered a considerable distance. It's not a couple football fields, but farther than you want to be from your car in the dark. The lights of the McDonald's seem muted, seem gone. Everything seems much darker than it was just a few minutes ago. And as she's kind of getting a bearing for her surroundings, this is a heavily populated area, but everything seems darker now. Everything seems off. And her head slowly cranes to one side, and underneath a grove of trees, there's an old shack. About a hundred feet away from where she's standing. Shack door. Slowly creaking. She gets a sudden urge. She needs to leave the area. What she's looking at isn't necessarily paranormal. There really could be a shack behind a car wash. You can look at aerial photos of this car. Also, don't harass the car wash because I don't think they have anything to do with this. I don't think it's some elaborate marketing scheme they have. So don't find Caddy Car Wash and call them up and be like, hey, can I visit your horrible cabin? She sees this cabin. Now, again, there's nothing paranormal about that, but she gets this horrible instinct to get out of there. Like, she just feels it in her gut. I have to leave. I have to run in my car. So she takes off. She leaves behind the cabin. She leaves behind the grove of trees. She gets to her car. This is the part where the story does start to get suspicious, honestly. But she gets to the car, and she has an intense desire right then and there, in this car wash area, to take a nap, to fall asleep. Now, she said she had some comfy blankets. I, I-, I also think that she might, and again, break your neck for me, baby. I hope this doesn't fit, I get the feeling that at the time of the story, she may not have had a place to stay. The fact that she's hanging, and I could be wrong on that, because I didn't ask that personal question, but... She may not have had a place to stay, or maybe not a place to stay that night. But she said she had blankets in the back. And that's not, I've been homeless before, too. That's not a knock. I've lived in my car twice. Not two nights, like, for two prolonged periods of time, just because I'd lost an apartment and stuff like that. So, that things like that are going to happen. But she's in her car. Now, again, just seeing the cabin isn't a paranormal activity because there really there's not a cabin back there there is not an old man cabin back there as far as i could tell i was looking at satellite photos there are trees but i could not find creepy old cabin type that into google this address does not pop up but if you just saw a cabin in a business you go oh, it's a supply shack or something like that that in and of itself may or may not be paranormal what happens next connects everything but what happens next is a dream. So that is where you can go, oh, Jason, are you really telling us a dream story? Let's go ahead and finish this. She crawls in the back seat of her car. She goes to sleep. And she says, she says, what she begins to have are what can only be described as nightmares. And they're all connected to this cabin. Her walking up the hill and her seeing the cabin was not a dream, that all physically happened. She comes back to the car. She has an overwhelming need to sleep. Even getting out of the car was out of characters for her. She's normally just slob. She throws stuff over her shoulder. She crawls back into her car and she goes to sleep. She begins having dreams of an old man in that cabin doing horrible, horrible things to young girls. She's just getting these images of this man doing these things. And then the dream ends with... The image of the shack. So once again, she's looking at the shack underneath this grove of trees. At the end of this horrible nightmare of all of these visions, it ends with the shack underneath the trees, 1909 West Burnside. And the door (coughs) opens wider and wider. Until the only thing she can see inside of the cabin is a giant eyeball. The eyeball of that old hideous man doing those horrible things, staring out of that cabin directly into her. She wakes up and gets in the front seat, drives away. She knew she had some friends in the area, so she went to go see her friends a couple blocks away. She jumps out. She's talking to her friends. Again, this is another reason why I'm thinking they might have been like street kids or something like that. But maybe they are just having coffee. I don't know. But she pulls over. She jumps out of the car. She's talking to her friends. She then hears a girl scream out loud around the corner. Like a blood-curdling scream of a young girl. She takes off from her group of friends. Turns the corner. Friends follow her. Turn the corner. She's on the ground. Full seizure. She wakes up in the hospital. She believes that that land is cursed. And really, if you look at the history, and that's why I was giving that little history lesson in the beginning. Lot of sex trafficking. A lot of sex trafficking back then, and according to some people that I saw online, a lot of sex trafficking today. I'm not saying that the car wash has anything to do with this. So I'm not saying that. Just the area is known for sex trafficking. Some people say that young women are snatched off the street. But anyway, so there's that stuff. People say that stuff's still going on. It definitely went on historically. So it wouldn't be a shock if the land had been infused with some sort of dark energy. I would actually be shocked if it wasn't infused with that. So you do have that dream element. And the dream element kind of adds in the, connects the two. Connects the scream of the ending to the cabin. It's also possible, again, I'm not knocking her. If she didn't make it up, if it's just a fictional story, then it's a fictional story, and I got duped, could also be a fictional story, but she doesn't even know it's fictional, it's possible that she saw the cabin that was real, or she did see that part of it, and then when she had the seizure, which was uh, supposedly real as well, she was in the hospital, that can backtrack and create the memories of the dreams as well, because the brain's a tricky thing, doesn't necessarily work in a linear fashion, so there's a lot of ways we can debunk this, but I think it's terrifying. It actually includes one of the things I find most terrifying, portals. If longtime listeners of the show know I hate portals. Portals are one of my biggest fears. It's funny because yesterday's episode also was another one of my biggest fears. I find being trapped in a mental hospital absolutely terrifying. Not even like in a straitjacket in a padded room. That, whatever, because then I'm so crazy or I'm... The idea of of being trapped in a mental hospital and walking through the hallways and like going through the routine, like doing crossword puzzles every day and eating oatmeal or porridge or whatever they have—I don't know—they might have real food in there—but that terrifies me because it's the normalcy of it. If I was in a straitjacket, eventually I would just go insane, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is just the way things are." But if I was sane—I mean, I am sane—but if I had to wake up every morning, walk to the rec hall. Watch The prices Right, walk back to my room, take my pills, walk to do the crossword puzzle room. That is terrifying to me. I think I would prefer to be in prison than a mental hospital. Because it tries to still... I imagine them super bright all the time, and it makes everything more normal. So to me, it makes it more creepy. So a portal that took me into a mental hospital would honestly be the creepiest thing for me. But I find this story interesting because, one... The history of the area connects with what she saw. And we were talking a bit. She didn't really know the history of the area. Uh, again, that's what she's saying. I, I could be getting duped, but it's, that, that's just uh, something that's going to happen with the show. Uh, the history of the area connects with a phenomenon. You have the dream segment, which is, is, is a little goofy. I normally don't report dreams, but it's sandwiched in between her being led out of her car. A young woman... Let out of her car into the darkness to the shack that preyed on young women. We have that aspect. Then we have her seizure later on as she turns the corner. She hears the young girl screaming. Interesting story all around. And again, don't, I'm not telling you to go to Caddy and, you know, start like calling him up. But if you're looking for a day trip ghost hunting adventure, there you go. You don't have to drive out in the middle of nowhere. You're like, Jason, didn't you just say this wasn't a great neighborhood? Think about it. You can get your car washed. You can poke around the back. You can see if there's any haunted shacks. And you can buy Chipotle. A delicious Chipotle. And you got to bring me one too. Chipotle. Eat fresh. Thank you so much for that story. I did find that one kind of particularly creepy. It went on a very long time. I didn't expect that. This is going to be a long episode. It's the end of the season. It's going to be a long episode. And to make it even longer, I want to do a Dead Rabbit recommend. So a pack of Wild Asians. Let's flip out that Plasma screen we have in the back of the Jason Jalopy. Now we gotta park the car. We are at the car wash. Let's get in the back. We're gonna watch this plasma screen. I just watched this movie called Butterfly Kisses. It's really good. Butterfly Kisses is the story. It's it's very meta, which I liked, and it, it was really really good. It's a found foot. It's it's a documentary about a filmmaker who finds found footage. It's not it's not a real documentary. So you have a man who finds some found footage that these college students had made involving this local myth called Peeping Tom or the Blink Man, Mr. Blink. That was interesting because in the movie the people in town all had different names for him. That's pretty common with local legends like the older people called him Blink or Mr. Blink. The younger people were calling him Peeping Tom, so that was a really cool little added detail. So this guy finds a shoebox full of old DV tapes from 2004 about this story of these college students trying to investigate Peeping Tom, and this guy's trying to raise money to release his movie. So he gets like a friend of his has a doc is making it like a documentarian. So he goes, "Why don't you make a documentary behind the scenes about me putting this movie together?" It was really, really interesting because you get to the point where there's basically three plots. And they're all done really, really well. Very good ending to the movie. You have the plot where we're watching the original found footage movie. You have the plot of the director. And then you have the plot of the film crew, the documentary film crew, who they're starting to think that the, the guy who finds the tapes, the director, is losing his mind. And they're like, should we keep making this documentary? Like that guy's, that guy's kind of nuts. Really, really, int- it's a horror movie, and it's it's, it's interesting because it's a horror movie, and it's a it's a good view of the art of movie making. And I really enjoyed it. I just watched it last night. Butterfly kisses. Check it out. Totally slept on horror movie. Dead Rabbit recommends. Butterfly Kisses. There will be a trailer in the show notes. Let's go ahead and move on to our last story for this episode. A pack of pack wild Asians we're leaving behind our crystal clear and clean Jason Jalopy, thanks to Caddy Car Wash. Let's hop in the Carpenter Copter. Now, we're flying out to Sacramento, California. Specifically, we're flying out to El Verda. Now, I gotta say this. This is one of those stories I'd actually forgotten about. It's one of my favorite stories, but I got a lot of them. I'd forgotten about this story. I was talking to Sabine about it the other day, and I was like, I got to tell this story on my podcast. Now, because this story is so old, I, I want to tell you right now, there are details where one person may have done this, and I'm going to say another person did this. Like, I'm going to may get names mixed up, but the narrative itself is true. It was a 100% true story, and it's very, very cool investigation I was involved in. And it's funny because I know a couple of my old friends listen to this show. J- uh, Josh Moraima listens to it every once in a while. Jason Campbell listens to it. What's up, Jason? You guys will remember this. You guys will remember this story. This would had to be like in the late '90s. Now, in the late '90s, I was a pizza delivery driver, and I was also a punk kid, right? Just a punk. I was always walking around, start in trouble. It was a lot of fun back then. I really loved the time period that I was born in. I really, really... And, and I'm sure that younger people than me love the time period they were born in, and that's totally fine. I think that's just kind of a, a normal thing, but everything just seemed more chill. Really seemed more chill, right? There were obviously inconveniences, right? Nowadays, we have smartphones. Back then, we all had pagers on us. That was the big... I remember that was the big stylish item were the pagers, and you would drive around, do do do, do boop, boop. And then, I don't even think they really made noises like that. They vibrated or went beep beep. And you'd look, you'd see a number. You're like, Jason, I know what a pager is. But then you would drive. You'd have to find a payphone, make a phone call. Or you could do it. Or then, you know, you had the vibrate feature. That That's usually what you had them on, right? Because you got annoyed by the beep beep. My pager went off all the time. You usually have them on vibrate. And then when you go to the movies and stuff like that. But it was just a different time period. We didn't have the internet. I mean, it existed, but nobody used it. When there was an argument, it just went on and on and on. It was. I, I really enjoyed that time. It was very simple. MTV played music. That's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. It used to be so good. This is the time period this has taken place in. Now, I was a thug. I was a punk kid, right looking back on it it was kind of fun but looking back on it, I was just a punk oh just a punk kid right but I was also a paranormal investigator so I was always ghost hunting and that's really what i I'm known for oh Bigfoot story let's send it to Jason like nowadays people send me emails friends of mine will, will talk to me about weirdo stuff. But I've always been pretty much out out of high school. I was really into uh, ghost hunting. I don't think I really got into it during high school. I was too busy doing other stuff. But a super paranormal investigator is looking into like investigating magic and demonology. Like exorcism stuff. I had all of these books and documents and everything. How to perform an exorcism. We've done past episodes on that. So it's kind of what I was known for. And I also did tarot cards all the time. I was always doing tarot cards tarot readings, and I've talked about that too, the, how how they're done and everything like that. The, the, what the, the gimmick is, what the trick is. But anyways, I ran with this crew of dudes. It was Josh Morremeyer, Nick Lyons. Sorry, guys. You guys are dope. I'll just say your names. Uh, Josh Moremeyer, Nick Lyons, uh, Jason Campbell, and then the Barnett's. You had Matt, Evan, and Troy Barnett. And we would cycle through whose house we hung out with. Right? I lived super far away. I lived way, way, way far away. But I lived in Orangeville. I lived in the bad side of town. All these guys, they lived in Antelope, Alberta, stuff like that. So we really wouldn't hang out at my house. But we'd go out there. Now, I remember one day, we're just all hanging out, drinking, whatever, eating pizza. We all worked at Godfather's Pizza off of uh, Watt. what just memories, man. Just memories. I love that. It doesn't exist anymore. But one day, I'm talking to my friends. And... One of them goes, hey, Jason, I I don't even know how to say this, but I kind of have a mystery for you. Like, something's going on in my house. And I was like, tell me more, as I pull out my magnifying glass, put on my Sherlock Holmes hat. They're like, well, this is one of the Barnett's said, our grandfather had passed away recently. And he had his favorite chair, this recliner. And he would sit in it, and it was one of those chairs that would vibrate. Which honestly is like the highest form of chair. Every chair should vibrate. But he goes... is one of those chairs had the massage back. And that was his chair in front of the television set. He would sit there and turn it on. Now, I knew exactly what chair they were talking about. Because a lot of times when I went over there, that was the chair I sat in. I mean, obviously, his his grandpa was not in the chair at the time. He had gone to bed. But I would come. I would sit in the chair, turn it on. uh, We'd be watching MTV. Headbangers Ball or something like that. Be sitting in that chair. uh. So... I knew the chair. I was like, yes, I'm very familiar with that chair. Tell, tell me more. And they're like, Jason, quit being a pretentious dork. Just listen to us. And I put the magnifying glass away. Take the hat off. So our grandfather passed away recently. And then we're all sitting in the living room one day. No one's sitting in the chair. And all of a sudden, uh, the whole family turns and looks at the chair and it's vibrating. And it stops. Now, mechanical malfunction, possibly. But it has, you have to turn it on. You press the button and it vibrates. They go, it must have just been a short in the system, right? It's electronic stuff's gonna happen. They keep watching television. Now, the whole chair, it's audibly vibrating. And when they touch it, they can feel it uh, vibrating. What? Watching the chair, just waiting. Turn the television down. Has uh... yes, to have a short, right? It's not even doing a full cycle of a massage thing. It's only going for a period of time. So, what are you gonna do? What do you think, right? You're right. You guessed right. If you guessed unplug it, you are 100% correct. They unplug the chair from the wall. No electricity. You don't have to... Obviously, it's a... uh, The chair's still vibrating even though it's unplugged. So, at that point, one of the Barnetts... I think it was Matt. was talking to me. And he goes... We think the chair, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the the insinuation is something weird is happening at their house involving the chair of their grandfather who passed away, who he always had it vibrate, is now vibrating even though he's gone and it's unplugged and no one's sitting in it. So we went there that night. We got to check this out. He's like, no, no, we're having a religious ceremony. Out of the way, kicking over tables. Oh, no, I'll never be a full Catholic now. (laughs) Ah, whatever, smashing stuff over. No, we went over to their house, and we show up, and I go, I'm going to sit in the chair. I'm going to sit in the chair. I'm not afraid of no ghosts. I sit in the chair. We're watching television, and a period of time passes, and, you know, just kind of like hanging out, drinking, and then... uh, I almost jumped out of that chair. It 100% was vi And I checked it before I go, because I'm thinking these guys are messing with me, right? Whenever you come out of the closet or come out of the casket as a ghost hunter, whenever you come out of the nether realm as a ghost hunter, people are going to fool you. I mean, that's just going to happen. On purpose, on accident, it's just going to happen. So anyway, something I remember I came over and I looked and it was unplugged and I was like, okay. And we're watching Deftone videos or whatever, Limp Bizkit. It's just MTV all the time. Why can't MTV just be music again? You're like, Jason, that's called YouTube. No, I want my music picked out by some other people. And this is why. Because then I learn new music. If it's just me on YouTube, I'm listening to nothing but Ice Cube and Tupac and Limp Bizkit all the time. I want my music curated. Dang it. But let's get back to the real story here. We're watching music videos. We're rolling, rolling, rolling. And this chair starts vibrating and I jump out of it. 100%, and you know, again, as a paranormal investigator, this is the stuff you want. You want proof. Sit back down in the chair. Wait a while longer. Now, it wasn't a regular thing. You couldn't set your watch to it. It would just happen, which again made it even more likely to have a paranormal answer. You know, ghosts don't have wristwatches, at least as far as I know. (laughs) They might all be assigned one. At the pearly gates. But it would just kind of come and go. And I remember just thinking, this is spooky. I honestly think I stopped sitting in the chair. I think that at a certain point I stopped sitting in it. And we were all just kind of sitting there hanging out. Every so often the chair would start to vibrate. And and eventually though, it stopped. Stopped doing it altogether. Maybe about like a week or two later, just stopped vibrating. So it kind of plays into the idea that, and we've talked about this on the show, is we've talked about everything on this show, episode 448. That spirits, most likely, the ghost in South Korea is different, but you would think a spirit slowly loses its power over time. becomes more and more the realization that Earth just isn't, it's supposed to move on to the next plane. So slow, it doesn't disappear, it doesn't die off. The spirit's power just slowly disappears until it finally goes to, to heaven. So that's what you think, right? The chair's vibrating for a while. It just goes away. It probably had to be a couple months later when this happened. I remember we were hanging out again somewhere. And Matt, one of the Barnetts, again, I believe it was Matt, came up to me and goes, Hey, dude, dude, look what we found. And they hand me a pager. Specifically my pager. A pager... That I had lost at their house while sitting in grandpa's chair. A pager that got paged all the time. A pager set on vibrate. And there was a groove cut into the side of it. Matt goes, this was in my grandpa's chair. And I remember looking at that pager as he gave it to me. And I go, this is our ghost. This is our ghost. So what happened was that at some point in this pager, is a really cool pager, it's a glow-in-the-dark pager, it's like 50 bucks. It fell out of my pants, and it fell into Grandpa Barnett's chair now, because it was a recliner, which I don't know if I said that earlier, but all great chairs are recliners. It actually slid in, and as the chair at one point got flipped back up into the seated position, it wedged right in between two pieces of metal. It was 100% in the perfect position for what happened next, but it got wedged in perfectly and it was set to vibrate and my pager was always blowing up and every time someone called that pager, vibrated, made the chair shake and it did it over and over and over again until the battery died and I'm looking at this pager. That I mean, it was so tight in there. It was so in, it was in there so tight. It had a groove cut into it. This is our ghost. I love that story for a couple reasons. One, because it's a story that I was personally involved in. I could see, not like. I'm a huge egotist. I am, but I I know the story from beginning to end. Even though some of the details I might be iffy on. There is no chance for chicanery. There is no chance for tricks. I was there the whole time, and it has an ending. It has an identifiable ending. Again, as a paranormal researcher, it's not the ending that you necessarily want. But we talked about this, I've talked about this a couple times on the show. I talked about this with the whole thing with the Civil War, Aliens, Charles Dawson, and Doug Dobbs. Which is great. They're a great group of guys. But stories that have endings, even if they're not the paranormal answer, are still very satisfying to me. And I think most paranormal stories have an ending like this. We just haven't seen it yet. Cause that was sheer luck. One, it was luck that the pager got stuck in there to create the phenomenon in the first place. Cause it could have fallen any manner of ways. Fallen out the bottom. Got stuck, but not in a place that would make the chair vibrate. You could have got stuck in a chair that didn't vibrate. It just, everything worked out perfectly. But then the fact that we found it. Cause they could easily just pack the chair up given it to someone else. They could have sold the chair. chair could have been disposed of. Never have found the pager. Or if they sold it and someone finds the pager, they're not going to put two and two together. But the fact that all of this stuff happens, I honestly believe, I do believe in ghosts, and I do believe in unidentified flying objects and things like that, but I honestly believe a good 95% of all of that phenomenon can be explained away. It's the 5% that can't be explained away, which terrifies and fascinates me. But I think a good portion of it has a reasonable answer. Like in the first story, that young woman may have had a seizure, and then the memories became clouded because of that. Worked backwards. It's possible. I hung on to that pager for a while. To be honest, I might still have it in a box somewhere. I have, I allow myself one box of mementos. And it might still be in there. And I kept it. I kept it as proof that not every ghost story has a ghost answer. Most of the time, it's a pager. Most of the time, it's a rational answer. So as we end season nine and head into season 10, let's remember to take a look at the world a little more closely. Those things that we see dancing at the edge of our eyesight, standing at the foot of our bed, may be 100% explainable as natural phenomenon. When you walk into your bedroom and you think you see something staring out of your closet, ignore it. The next time you wake up late at night, you go to the bathroom, turn the light on, look in the mirror, check your eyes. And then, right as you shut the light off in that split second between illumination and darkness, you see a figure behind you. It's nothing. When you're walking to your car late at night in that dark parking lot, and you swear you saw something human sized scurry underneath your vehicle, just ignore it. The scratch at your window. The crunch of footsteps outside your door. That sound coming from the darkest room in your house. There's a 95% chance that all of these have completely rational answers. But there's a 5% chance that you'll become the next story on Dead Rabbit Radio. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio. Twitter is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal, conspiracy, and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today, guys. Have a great week. I'm going to have a great week. You guys have a great week. Be safe. Love you guys. See you in a week.